Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Mary Tan. Mary is the owner and chief storyteller of Whisker Media, a boutique strategic communications agency where she focuses on marketing and public relations for pet-related businesses and animal welfare nonprofits. When not working on client accounts, she's busy promoting animal adoption and programs through her work as the public relations manager for Animal Humane Society in Golden Valley, Minnesota, one of the largest open admission animal shelters in the United States. Before her time in animal PR, Mary worked in government communications where she led the public relations efforts for the city of Brooklyn Park and the Brooklyn Park Police and Fire Departments in Minnesota. Prior to that, she was a former award-winning television journalist who worked as a reporter and anchor in Las Vegas, Atlanta, and Minneapolis. During her time in television, she also appeared on CNN, NBC News, and Fox News. She primarily covered breaking news, crime, and court cases. She was the first journalist in the country to interview boxer Vander Holyfield right after his infamous ear-biting incident with challenger Mike Tyson at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. The underlying mission of all her work is to change society's views of cats. She's bothered by the fact that cats are considered disposable and second-rate to dogs. She's also not a fan of the crazy cat lady image, which is not only discriminatory to cats, but to women and those with mental health issues. When not working, the Wisconsin native writes a blog called Whisker Fabulous, which is written from the point of view of her behaviorally challenged and naughty cat, Dr. Farley Waddlesworth, who believes all felines deserve to be fancy and spoiled rotten. In addition to Dr. Waddlesworth, she lives with her significant other, Craig, and a rescue dog from Texas named Josie. Mary, welcome to the show. Hi, Stacy. Thanks so much for having me on. So, wow, what an incredible background you have, and I'm thrilled to have you on the show, and so thank you again for joining us. I want to just touch base. You have a dog, you have a cat, you have this great reporter's background, journalist background. When did you first really become passionate about cats? Well, I'll tell you, growing up, my dad was very anti-pet, and I always wanted an animal, and so did my sister. And I remember some of my friends having cats and dogs, and my sister and I always wanted one. So, of course, what happened is my sister went away to college, and she got a cat. And when I was in high school, I went out to visit her, and I'm like, as soon as I move out of the house, I'm getting a cat. And so what happened was at one point I had three cats and a dog. Now I just have one cat, but both my sister and I just started adopting animals left and right. And we both kind of had zoos and it was just kind of a rebellious thing to do, I think, against my parents. But I've always loved cats. They are just unbelievably, you know, mysterious creatures that had always had a lot of appeal to both my sister and I. And so then how did you get into the whole media realm? I mean, you became very active with public relations and being a reporter. Did you want to be a journalist first and then you're sort of combining the two? How did that process happen? Well, it all kind of worked together. So I actually didn't get a cat until I graduated from college because it just made things easier. And I just went and visited my sister. So basically, 
in college, I actually had started as a classical musician. My degree is actually in music and journalism. And I thought I wanted to be a classical flautist. Well, those jobs are very far and few between. And so then I started doing, I was a music critic for our student newspaper. And that led into me discovering journalism. And I befriended a television news reporter who was also a classical pianist and a cat lover. And I started doing an internship at the TV station in my college and it all blossomed at the end of my college. I'm like, I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to be a TV reporter. I want to change the world and I want to write things that are wrong and that sort of thing. And so I ended up getting my first job at the ABC affiliate here in Minnesota, in Duluth, Minnesota. And what happened was I always loved animals, but my actual strength in journalism was doing the really hard news, the crime and slime. When I was in news, I used to say, if it bleeds, it leads, or if you're dead, I'm live. And I always wanted to do the animal things, but I was always the one that got sent on breaking news. That was kind of really my skill set. And in news, the animal stories tend to go to the feature reporters or a lot of the anchors. And so I was really one of those um, street reporters. And so I actually, you know, just ended up going the hard news route in the journalism career field, you need to move a lot to move up to bigger cities. And so your goal is to move to a bigger and bigger market. And so that's what I did. And I kind of made my name as more of a crime and hard news reporter. And that's how the Evander Holyfield ear biting incident happened. I got put on that story. And all along, I always wanted to do animal stories. And what's really, really interesting is that I could report about crime and homicides and triple homicides and that sort of thing. But if there was like an animal abuse story, I just couldn't do it. It just bothered me so much. So so I really did very little animal reporting when I was actually in news. So then what brought you to work in public relations for a shelter? Yeah, so after 13 years of working overnights, weekends, and 12, 13, 14-hour days, I was like, I'm so burned out. I've had enough. I'm tired of going into snowstorms and standing along the side of the freeway telling people to stay home. And so I decided, you know what, I want to go, as journalists say, to the dark side and become what they call a PR flacky. And I ended up getting a job in government communications, and that also used a lot of my skill set at the time because I did a lot of PR around public safety and racial equity issues and really kind of hard news topics. But then my secret desire was always to do animal PR. And I had started a blog and I was really involved with pet bloggers and an open animal humane society here in Minnesota. And it's really the only organization that has a full-time PR job that pays a livable wage. And so I applied for it. And that was about a year and a half and I got it. And But during my time at the city, I had already started doing animal PR for pet-related businesses. But I really wanted, as a PR person, I really wanted something to encompass the entire pet industry. So everything from 
animal welfare to promoting cat products. And actually, most of my clients are cat products. And I guess in a perfect world, my world would be just cat PR, but I love dogs too. But actually, the dog pet PR industry, there's far more dog products than cat products out there. So let's think about the shelters that are out there, the small rescues, the community cat groups that do trap, neuter, return. You know, as a media expert, let's take a sort of a deep dive here and put ourselves in their shoes and focusing on, we get so involved in that day-to-day life. We talk about stories, capturing those stories, and it seems like there's a story every day, but how do you take the time to capture those stories? Why is it important for us to leverage those stories? And why is it important for us, even if we're a small group, to have a relationship with the media as well as with retailers? You know, why is it important to have all that outreach going on? Yeah, so this is really interesting, but I really believe that rescues and shelters, they need to operate like a business. And some of your major stakeholders, of course, are the public. You want the public to adopt. And you also have a huge need to get your stories out there because you need donors. Donors are your bread and butter to make sure that you can do what you want to do. And so you need public relations and marketing. And public relations, I like, of course, I'm a big fan of PR, specifically because it does take staff time and your time, but it's free. It's often called earned media versus marketing, which is paid media. And so with earned media, you lend so much more credibility to your organization if you have somebody else out there touting your organization. And rescues and shelters have so many stories. And I let me tell you this, like here in Minnesota, an Animal Humane Society, I would say on average, we have about eight media appearances a week. And one of the ways we do that is called newsjacking. And so most rescues and shelters have their, you know, your typical adoption segment. Those are wonderful. But in order to really show the impact of your work and what you do in the community, I really highly suggest what's called newsjacking. And what that is, is let me give you an example. So I'm here in Minnesota, one of the coldest states in the country. And last week, we had a really bitter cold snap. News stations love weather. And during cold weather, our news stations go nuts over. They want to cover as many cold weather stories. So they'll, you know, they'll do the stories about the homeless shelters and people on the streets. And maybe the furnace companies having an influx of people needing a tune-up or furnace repair. So I pitched a story about Chucky the Cat. So Chucky the Cat came in the day before we were supposed to have a cold snap. And what happened with Chucky is he was a stray community cat who got hit by a car. And we're kind of um, guessing on this a little bit, but we think he got hit by a car and rolled over so he couldn't move. And he ended up on a sewer pipe and he was frozen to the sewer pipe. So a local police officer brought him into us and he was near unconscious, but we nursed him back to health. And he eventually needed his tail amputated and one of his toes amputated. And so I pitched that to the media and they bid on it as we like to say in PR. And they covered this wonderful story about Chucky the cat who survived being frostbitten. But we used the story to highlight that 
pets need to be indoors when it's this cold. That's an example of news jacking and using the news of the day to your advantage. Another situation would be, I know this is more dogs, but it can apply to cats, is there was a situation where a local police officer shot a dog. And the dog was actually, it was a pit bull and it was running the opposite way of the police officer. And of course, it sparked outrage, especially in the animal welfare community. So I wasn't the public relations manager at the time. But what I would have done in that situation is I would have called up the news stations and said, hey, you know what? We have experts who can talk about the signs that a dog or cat is about to bite. And we can use it as like our educational resource. And the whole point of it is so that the news media knows you have animal experts on board. And if you ever need help, please call our rescue or shelter and use us as a resource. And there's so many different ways you can do this. And another topic that is interesting is I know, and not to get into politics, but when President Trump became president, there was a whole lot of debate on what would happen to charities and charitable giving because of changes in tax laws. So we had a lot of stations call us and ask us, well, how are these tax laws going to affect your rescue or shelter? So you don't really, It sometimes it doesn't have to be about animals. It could be about nonprofits. But the point is to get out there because the news media are so understaffed. They're always going to call the people that they can get the fastest because the amount of news time has grown. They're doing hours and hours of news and the reporters are forced to cover three to four stories a day sometimes or two to three and they don't have time to go and call around and get sources. But if you have your name and number and cell phone out there and they know that you're ready to talk when they call, they're always going to call you. So I have two follow-up questions here for you. One is, for all of these instances, do you have to craft a a press release? It sounds like not necessarily if a story comes their way and they then reach out directly to you. But I would also think that we have to know how to write a good press release and what the components are around that, as well as how do you find these contacts? Where do you find the reporters? How do you find their emails? So it's not like going to contact at joepaper.com. Exactly. That's a great question, Stacey. So the first thing you need to do is you should write a press release. And I do when I'm pitching it to all the stations. But so much of PR is forming a relationship with a certain journalist. So my suggestion is to go on the social media pages of all the local reporters that you see on your news or in your paper or Google and see who's written about cats in the past several years. And then, you know, double check. And usually these journalists are all going to put pictures of their pets. So, you know, they like cats if they have a cat and then reach out directly to that reporter. So when I use press releases, it's typically for a big event. So like we have our big annual gala coming up. And so that's an event that, you know, I mean, it's just an event. So I will send out a press release in that case. And you do need to know how to write press releases. And I'm more than happy to help look at people's press releases if they want to send it to me. And I'm sure, Stacy, you'll have my contact information. Press releases are critical. But a lot of times I like to pitch certain reporters. And when you send out blanket news releases to just general emails, that does work. 
but a lot of reporters like exclusives. They are under so much pressure to get an exclusive. They want a story that nobody else is going to have. In fact, I can tell you in some markets, it's so competitive that the news managers actually keep track of who's broken the most stories because it's all about competition and getting it on first. And with social media, it's even worse for these reporters. So they are going to be more passionate about your story if they know you're the only reporter they're pitching to. And a lot of times I have my favorite cat reporters here in town and I'll give them like a scoop and they will remember that. And then when I need something covered, like not enough people are signing up for training classes, I can reach out to them and say, hey, we really need a push helping our training classes or we have too many dogs or cats right now. Can you please do something on that? They're going to reciprocate the favor. And what I try to do is have at least one or two people at each station. It takes a little bit of homework, but I can also tell you that the news reporters love animal stories. The local Fox station here actually told me their ratings increase by 20% when they have an animal story. So that's something you should take into consideration because these news organizations need animal welfare groups. Sign up today for a kitten-focused event presented by the National Kitten Coalition and the Community Cats podcast. It's the online kitten conference This three-day virtual gathering will feature presentations by experts on raising and saving kittens, setting up and managing kitten-centered shelter programs, and more. The online kitten conference is going to be on June 12th through the 14th, and all presentations will be recorded. So if you can't attend them all, no worries. You'll be able to watch the recordings afterwards. Since this is a virtual event, you'll have the opportunity to gain valuable insights and have your questions answered by some of the most knowledgeable leaders in the animal welfare community without the expense and hassle of traveling. For $75, you'll get full access to the whole program of the Online Kitten Conference in 2020 on June 12th through the 14th. CommunityCatsPodcast.com and sign up today. We can't wait to see you there. Are you one of the selfless members of our society that spends time rescuing and bettering the lives of cats in your community? If so, wouldn't it make sense to do the most you can do with the space you have? CDE Animal Cages is a family-owned and operated business that has been handcrafting the highest quality small animal cages for over 30 years with the goal of connecting shelters and rescuers with comfort and security for the health of the animals they work with and ease of use for the humans that take care of them. Open air enclosures with various solid options and portalized options have proved not only to reduce euthanasia rates, but make for more adoptions and healthier and happier animals. Our high-quality materials are designed to last for decades, ensuring that you only shop for cages once, leaving more time to spend with the cats in your life. Get started today by logging on to cdecages.com to design your perfect setup. Invest in the future of your cats with CDE Animal Cages. Yeah, so you actually, you touched upon my next question, which was talking about sort of measurables. You know, obviously, organizations are investing resources in public relations and outreach. And, you know, how does an organization measure the success or from year to year, what those impacts are? Is there any way to measure the impact of the public relations? 
Absolutely. In fact, you're mostly going to see it. You'll see a lot of it on social media. So I work for a really large animal welfare organization. And so we have a lot of negative stories as well as positive stories. And when it's negative, we will hear from our donors. They are very loud and outspoken. While I'm pitching stories, I also spend a lot of time explaining stories when something doesn't turn out because public relations can go both ways. But it's really, we find that way. We also, there's media monitoring services out there, but those are very expensive, but they will actually measure how much your airtime was worth and the amount of money you would have had to pay for that coverage. If it's animal stories always have a reaction on social media, you can also look at the news station's numbers. When they put your story on their page, people always react to animal stories. And you can look at their numbers and the engagement. And that's what I would recommend. There are also out there, there's some press release like services. I want to say, I think one is called maybe PR Wire or something like that. They're sort of these automated press release services where they put your press release out there in sort of the big wide world and you're really not sure where it's going. Anybody can kind of pick it up. Is there any value to those or is it all about, is it better to spend your time on five to 10 personal relationships rather than kind of putting it out in one of those services? So I think if you're a national organization or an international organization, I would say PR Newswire is a good resource. I do use it for my for-profit clients, but I would not suggest it for your typical animal shelter or rescue. It's about six to $700 to send it out. You are so much better off by reaching your stakeholders in your community because they're the ones that are going to adopt from you. They're the ones that are going to donate from you. PR Newswire is really built more as a for-profit. It's for the big companies out there to launch new products. It will get sent out to thousands and thousands of reporters, but it may not be reporters who actually care about what you're doing. So, for example, I have sent out a press release on PR Newswire for one of my dog food companies. Well, it got sent out to everybody, but really very few actually picked it up because it wasn't really relevant. You know, it will get sent out to Forbes and all these food processing magazines. Well, it'll get sent out to the pet food magazines, but it, it's going to also be sent out to everybody else and you're paying for that. And so that's just not a good use of resources. And I really think you should try to get as much of it for free as possible. And that's what your local media is. I do want to point out that media is not equal in every city. So in Minnesota, the Minneapolis-St. Paul market is one of the most educated television markets in the country, as well as I would say a lot of the medium-sized cities, the Seattles, the Denvers. The news judgment here is less on crime and more on lifestyle. For example, in New York, in Los Angeles, you know, they'll lead with like a crime story for sure. Here in Minneapolis, they might lead with something like the increasing cost of lettuce, which has happened before. <laughs> and it really depends on the media market you're in and the level of education. I would say for animal welfare stories, you know, 
medium-sized markets like Minneapolis or Denver are great for that. Well, if you're in Los Angeles area, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, I mean, it's going to be emphasis on crime. They do need animal stories, but it is going to be a little bit trickier. And that's where focusing in on finding the cat owners who are in the media is going to be your your prize. Right. Well, also in cities like New York City, there's probably a lot of sub-media categories. Yes. Smaller groups would be more appropriate maybe for a smaller rescue group in Brooklyn or Queens or Long Island or whatever. You want to look for the smaller media outlets that would be more proportional to your group's Yes, absolutely. Don't forget about your hyper local media, your cable access. You know, those local papers have really good readership because the main media is not going to cover like government and all the little fundraisers that are going on in your city. If you talk to a lot of people, they actually do read those weekly papers, those free papers that come out, a lot of people look at them. And I've had a lot of success promoting events and different things in those papers. And most of the time, those papers may only have one or two staff members, and they are putting the whole paper together. So they don't have time to write things. And a lot of times, if you send a press release to them, I've had them cut and paste it verbatim into their website. And so I would highly suggest that. And don't forget your local bloggers, because a lot of mommy bloggers, they love pet stuff. Pitch it to the local bloggers in your community. And more More and more bloggers are having influence, and they are actually, a lot of these different outlets are tapping into your main media outlets. And of course, don't forget your own social media pages. Most media organizations follow animal organizations. In fact, our media subscribes to everything. And whenever we put out a fundraising email appeal, and it's always featuring an animal that had a horrible situation and is now, you know, a happy animal, they all cover those. And I always get calls. That's another way that they're watching your media. So Mary, can you tell us a little bit about more specifically what you do at Whisker Media? And if folks are interested in finding out more about your work, how would they reach you? Yeah, well, I'm so excited that Community Cats Podcast is a client as well, because my mission at Whisker Media is really to help homeless cats and change their image. I started Whisker Media because I really wanted to help animals. And the whole goal of it was to help nonprofit animal organizations. But then as a pet blogger, I got exposed. I started working with some brands and I really got exposed to the other side of the pet world, which is the for-profit sales side of things. And last year I went to Super Zoo and there were six football fields full of animal products. And it just made me so happy because when you think about it, all those animals, most of those, there's so many products now for all those homeless animals who are once homeless and are now living in happy homes. And so I really discovered that the way to help more cats is to, you know, have more income. And the way I could do that was promoting the for-profit side to help the non-profit side. And so that's really my mission of Whisker Media is to give back to cats specifically. I've always felt like 
cats are second-class citizens. If you look at all the marketing for animals, it's always dogs that get the attention. And frankly, it's because dog owners do spend more money than cat owners. But with the millennial generation really focusing on giving attention to cats and all of the social media felines out there, I feel like it's changing. But still, the stereotypical crazy cat lady image is still out there. And that's just so bothersome to me because it's so discriminatory towards the older women who love cats. People still have that image that, you know, somebody who owns cats is like an older lady with mental health issues who is wearing a moo-moo. And then when I see the fashion industry, if you look at all of these high-end designers like Prada and Chanel and Gucci, they are all creating things with cats on them. And so we need to change the image of cats and cat owners so that they can be elevated in society. Because I know a lot of cat owners who are actually very, very wealthy. And people need to know that cats aren't disposable. People don't throw their dogs out. I mean, they do, but it seems like cats are just left on their own more and there's more feral cats running around and people just don't have the same level. I mean, cats don't go to the veterinarian as often as dogs do. And so I'm just trying to elevate their status in society. That's great. And it's something I think that we all aspire to do for all cats in our community. Mary, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I just like to say that public relations is one of the best ways to get your story out for free. And another piece of advice is to call a reporter up and you can just approach them out of the blue and say, hey, I know you have a cat. I'd love to get together with you and pick your brain on how I can get more attention for my rescue or shelter. They just love People love animals and animal rescues can have such an easier time selling their stories than I'm going to admit like selling cat products is not the same thing as pitching an adoptable cat. And so take advantage of that. You can get your story out there and make sure, you know, you're out there networking and meeting people and invite the reporters to your events, especially since they have morning news shows and they're hours long and they need content and be willing. Like if they have a slot open, I do this all the time. I may be at a news station at six o'clock in the morning. And I know that's really, really kind of a pain, but you get so much free publicity out of it. And so I would highly recommend, you know, just snapping up every opportunity and and you have to create your own opportunities. So reach out to these media members. And of course, I would be glad to give any advice to any cat rescue out there or shelter that needs help. That's great. Excellent. Well, Mary, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. And for folks listening to this podcast, I'd like to ask you all to please consider sharing this podcast with others, especially with other organizations that might need some help on the public relations side of things, sharing their stories, writing their stories. I know from my perspective, it was always a huge challenge because there's hundreds, if not thousands of stories out there. You know, which story do you choose? Which one do you pitch? Because you could probably pitch a story multiple times a day. And I found that was one of the biggest challenges. So 
even if you have to just close your eyes and just randomly pick a story, do it and use it and see how it goes. Because I think every story is just wonderful. Every cat has a story that comes through the doors. But if you pick one, share that with the press. I'm sure you'll be very successful and you'll see the results. Mary, I want to thank you so much for being a guest today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Stacy. I just love this and I love what you do for cats. Thanks, Mary. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats Podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. Wow.